0: This is a reading from Isaiah 39, 1 through 8, the New Revised Standard Version. At that time, King Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Hezekiah welcomed them. He showed them his treasure house the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oils, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show him. Then the prophet Isaiah came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did those men say? From where did they come to you? Hezekiah answered, they have come to me from a far country from Babylon he said what have they seen in your house hezekiah answered they have seen all that is in my house there is nothing in my storehouse in my storehouses that i did not show them then isaiah said to hezekiah hear the word of the lord uh, hear the word of the lord of hosts days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your ancestors have stored up until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your own sons who are born to you shall be taken away, shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and security in my days.
1: Well, here we are, it's the end of August, our kids are heading out, bye kids, have fun. We're here at the end of August, and we are here uh, at the end of this part of our series on Isaiah, so we've been in Isaiah uh, over the last three months. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about repentance and trust, how Hezekiah comes along and he attempts to restore uh, the temple and the worship uh, of Yahweh in Judah. And uh, there's this repentance and trust that we talked about. It's beautiful. Great thing for uh, Hezekiah to to come in repentance and trust. Uh, Last week, we looked at how Hezekiah turned to God in prayer both in a situation where the, king, uh, the messenger from Assyria comes and, and, and kind of threatens Hezekiah and the people of Judah. And in that moment, Hezekiah goes and prays. And then later in his life, Hezekiah is told that he needs to get his affairs in order. Uh, he needs to make things right because his time is, is numbered. Uh, he's soon going to die, and he goes to God again. And prays, and, and uh, Isaiah comes and says, well, you're not going to die now. God has heard your prayer. You're going to have 15 years of, of life left. And so we talked about prayer as, as God hears Hezekiah's prayer and laments in these cases. In both of these situations, Yahweh saves Hezekiah. And so this is the story of Hezekiah that is leading up to our passage today. Hezekiah has this recovery from this sickness. He's he's enjoying life at this moment. He's he's happy. He's, he's maybe thinking a little bit about, well, now that I've got these 15 years left, maybe we can deal with this Assyria problem. And uh, Babylon, who is also at that time kind of under the thumb of Assyria, sends some envoys and some ambassadors to to bring a a get-well gift to Hezekiah, and Hezekiah is excited to receive them. He's excited because he's healed, because he's enjoying health. He also might be a little excited that he's got maybe a new ally in this uh, war against uh, Assyria, and so he welcomes them in. We're going to look at this passage a little bit today, but we're also going to look at where this story leaves us. And so as we come to the scriptures this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words in my mouth the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hezekiah's healing makes this story of chapter 39 um, kind of a tough one for us. We've seen these these good examples in Hezekiah's life of uh, trust and repentance, of of going in prayer. He experiences this this healing. He's kind of on a high, and he gets these ambassadors uh, from Babylon and kind of throws it all up in the air. He welcomes them in. He's showing hospitality. That's a good thing. But maybe, uh, you know, if you put yourself in the king of Judah's position, maybe welcoming in um, these ambassadors from Babylon and showing them all the stuff that you got back in the safe, and all of the uh, security codes to the kingdom, and all the back entrances, and showing them all of the lay of the land, maybe isn't the wisest move for the king to show all of these other folks from from Babylon. It's actually going to come back to bite Judah in, in the rear end later when Babylon conquers Assyria and decides to go and conquer Judah and Jerusalem. And now's know, and now they know exactly where all the stuff is. And so when we read later like in the story of, of Daniel and, and the king of Babylon has taken all of the stuff, all of the gold cups from the temple and, and from the palace, guess who showed them where all the stuff is? It's Hezekiah in this story. These envoys come, and Hezekiah shows them everything. Hezekiah shows off his treasures, the storehouse, the entire palace. Hezekiah may be trying to assure the Babylonian uh, ambassadors that Judah has the supplies to be part of an alliance against Assyria. He wants them to know that they've stored up money and stored up uh, weapons, and, and maybe they're ready to take on Assyria along with the Babylonians. Coming off of such a high from being healed, it's interesting that Hezekiah doesn't stop to consult Yahweh now about this alliance. Isaiah, uh, of course, isn't too happy with Hezekiah. He comes in and he says, what did you show him? What did you do? And Hezekiah said, I was a very good host. I welcomed them in and I showed them everything. Isaiah's not happy about it. He says, all of this stuff that you've shown them, the, the, the palace that you've shown them, the family that you've introduced them to is all going to be taken into exile it will backfire. And then this story ends in chapter 39. And between chapter 39 and chapter 40 is a very significant break in the in the timeline. Uh, many scholars agree that there is a major shift that happens between thirty nine and forty. Some scholars call what happens then in in uh, isaiah chapter forty second isaiah and that 's a conversation for another time and a conversation that scholars have. The point is is that something significant happens between thirty nine and forty there's roughly, depending on who you ask, about a hundred years or so in between 39 and 40, at least the context in which they address. This story is foreboding in 39 and leaves us staring into the abyss of a potential exile. And as we turn the page to chapter 40, the reader finds oneself firmly into the period of exile. And so between 39 and 40, Assyria kind of fades away. They're, they're, they're conquered, and Babylonian rises, and eventually Babylon is going to come and take the people of Judah into exile. They're going to remove them from their homes. Hezekiah's children and grandchildren will be taken as, as servants to serve in, in the courts of the king of Babylon. They're going to to take their wealth out of the temple, their wealth from the kingdom, and they're going to take it for themselves. And that's where 40 is going to pick up. Chapter 40 is firmly in the middle of this exile period. It's a hard place to be. So, what does this mean for us? What does this story have to say? I want to look at the flow of the overall story of Isaiah. If you think back uh, over this summer, chapters 1 through 38, this is what I'm hearing. This is a summary of this story. Isaiah has confronted Judah about its lack of justice on behalf of the marginalized. We talked about that in several chapters where Isaiah confronts the leaders of Judah. He talks about the need for a refining process. that that Judah, through these um, exiles, through being conquered by Assyria and Babylon and, and these conflicts with others, is going to be refined. They're going to be tested. And a remnant is going to emerge from that time. Isaiah has predicted that a son will be born, a new shoot will rise out of the stump, and a remnant will continue. And then Hezekiah comes along. He tries to restore worship of Yahweh. He tries to practice justice. He tries to repent and trust, and, and he comes to Yahweh in prayer as a good example. And then finally, it seems that maybe there's a glimpse of hope. Some people suggest that um, initially, many would have seen Hezekiah as perhaps this child that is coming, that is meant to restore the kingdom. And so Hezekiah brings about a whole bunch of hope, Hope for the people. And yet, as the story unfolds, we find this is not to be true. And Judah is now facing the unknown of a real exile. And I can't help but relate to Hezekiah and to Judah in this story, feeling it maybe especially here in the last couple of weeks, and this week in particular. This story has been kind of stirring in me, and, um, you know, sometimes when you're going through a really hard time, and you you open up Scripture, and you, you read through a story, or you read through a psalm that is comforting, and you feel like God is speaking to you in that moment, and it is a beautiful experience. Maybe you've had that. This is not one of those experiences for me. This is a story that I would have rather uh, let pass by this week, to be honest. Sometimes you open Scripture and a story or a psalm, in this case, Isaiah 39, confronts you. And that's how this passage has been for me this week. So here's what I've been pondering. And... um, Pastors maybe don't always let you in on all of the things that they've processed through in the week, and so I'm going to share with you a little bit of my inner monologue that I've been having with myself this week between me and God, and uh, so you'll have to excuse the sarcasm of my inner monologue sometimes, um, but there's a little bit of that this in, in this week, and so I'll point that out where that's at. We faced some major obstacles over the last two years, amen? Ones that we didn't plan for, ones that we didn't foresee. We've been confronted with injustice. And I read a book about it and watched a webinar about it, so I'm pretty sure I solved it. That's sarcasm. We've worked through the failures of political alliances. At least until the next crisis comes along, and then we'll look for another political alliance. And look, two weeks ago we repented and trusted, and so we got that off our uh, checklist, right? I think I said something in that sermon about this being an ongoing process, although when I preached it two weeks ago, I didn't actually have a, a plan for implementing it and practicing it this soon. And, and and realizing that it's going to have to happen over and over and over again, I was hoping that that might be something I, I kind of keep in my head for a later time when it's going to keep being repeated. And last week we prayed, and we were anointed, and it feels like we've glimpsed something of life beyond the pandemic over the summer signs came down you could walk into a store or a restaurant without a mask our attendance at spring creek has kind of slowly come back and and please hear me it's not about numbers of attendance But it's a beautiful thing to to build relationships again, to see some of your faces again, and to, to rekindle those relationships, to meet with one another, to pray in person with one another, to open up Scripture together. It's a beautiful thing. And yet, in our community and in our world, the pandemic continues to rear its ugly head. And at times it feels like we're left at the precipice wondering, what next? And then God brings along this story. Which is not the comfort that I may have hoped for. And to be honest, I want to skip over the rest of Isaiah to the end of the exile. I want to know how the story ends. I don't want to sit in the middle of it. Or at least I want to keep going with Isaiah to see how we get over with the story. And as we've drawn this series of Isaiah towards a close for this summer, my initial reason was that Isaiah is a long book and and maybe we'll take a break halfway through and, and we'll pick it up again. And this week as I was praying and wrestling and having this story confront me, I thought, you know, maybe the Holy Spirit has something different for us. That we're intended to sit in the middle of this book. To sit at an uncomfortable place. To catch a glimpse of maybe what Judah, maybe what Isaiah was experiencing. That the story is not over, the struggle is not over. So let me share with you a few lessons I think I'm supposed to be learning. I think it remains to see whether I am actually learning these lessons or not. The first one is to surrender. That God is in control and I am not. That God is in control and politicians and school boards and Pandemics are not in control. God is. I'm learning to surrender to the God of the land flowing with milk and honey and the God of exile. I'm learning to surrender, I hope. You know, we are kind of in this phase of planning and dreaming of our future. I think we're trying to be attentive as a congregation to the movement of the Spirit and how God is inviting us to partner in the healing of our church and the healing of our community. And that is a process that will have to continue to unfold forever until Jesus returns and we know God's will fully and completely. And the planning and the dreaming is good. It is beautiful. It is necessary. It is needed. And yet nothing will come to fruition without God at the center of it. It will happen in God's timing. And I wish that was more in line with my timing. I wish God moved at my pace. I wish that I could just turn the page of Isaiah and hear the words of comfort in chapter 40. Maybe you can do that in your own time. I browsed it this week. But then I thought, you know, maybe I need to just hold on to read Isaiah 40 till next summer. And I'm not sure what to think about what we might learn from the rest of Isaiah. There's some some chapters in Isaiah ahead about a suffering servant. I'm not sure I'm ready to read about a suffering servant right now. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And so maybe I just need to sit at the end of 39. Exile became a formative time for the people of God. Much of what we have today as the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, comes together, is is kind of finalized, finally written down, kind of uh, edited, and, and comes together in this time of exile. And so it's a formational time for the Jewish people. Their ideas of who the Messiah is going to be, heavily influenced by the rest of Isaiah, Heavily influenced by other prophets that speak into this exile time is going to kind of be developed during this time of exile as they hope for deliverance again. It's an it's a important time for the Jewish people. It's an important time for the world that Jesus will, will enter into and speak into. And so I wish that this pandemic exile experience was over. But maybe I still need to learn something of surrender. Surrendering myself to God's will. Surrendering the future of my life, my family's life, and the life of Spring Creek. To the will of the God, who's the God of the good times and the bad times. I'm also learning submission. Submission to God. Submission to the community of faith. And these are lessons that continue to unfold in my own life. And yet in this time, we continue to follow the pattern, the good pattern that Hezekiah sets towards the end of his life. To repent to trust, to pray. And we have this experience to learn that through. Many of you uh, have other experiences happening in your own life. Uh, Health situations, family dynamic situations, uh, kids returning to school, all kinds of opportunities for growth, opportunities for us to, to put this into practice. You give and you take away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Those are hard words to sing. I know years ago, uh, my mom said, I don't like that song. (laughs) It's an upbeat song, and she says, you know, sometimes I'm not so sure I want to be upbeat about that bridge. You give and take away. Yet blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't have easy answers. But I want to sit and be faithful at the end of Isaiah 39. Waiting, hoping, praying, trusting. That the comfort of Isaiah 40 is on its way. That the suffering servant that Isaiah will talk about has come, and has won the day, and is Lord, and is reigning, and that is good news for all of us. Let us repent, trust, and pray, and continue to be in that Spirit through all that is ahead.
0: So now we leave this space of worship, and while so much of the road ahead is uncertain, the path constantly changing, we know some some things that are as solid and sure as the ground beneath our feet, and the sky above our heads. We know God is love. We know Christ's light endures. We know the Holy Spirit, this here found in the space between all things, closer to us than our next breath, binding us to each other until we meet again. Go in peace.